Welcome to Spotlight McCall, conversations with local luminaries on their inspiration, creativity, and vision. Today we are featuring Suzanne Mack, Office Services Supervisor for Community and Environmental Health and Family and Clinic Services at the McCall Central District Health. You may have seen Suzanne if you've ever picked up a water test kit or inquired about other services. You may have seen her at carry train, in a yoga class, or out on a trail. You've probably seen Suzanne walking to and from work every day. Representing our health department, she literally walks the talk. She's also been a fisherman in Alaska, a travel agent for big game hunters, an athletic trainer, a McCall Elementary School librarian, soccer coach, and on staff at the Payette Lakes Medical Clinic. I've wanted to have Suzanne on the podcast from the beginning because a lot of us have no idea what goes on at a CHD. Then, maybe a month ago, when we started getting serious about a pandemic, Suzanne said to me, people talk about not being ready. We have been ready for a long time. And I want to hear about that now as well. So let's start with your background. You've lived all over the world and had such an interesting life before you came to McCall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was when I was younger and um, my father was a airline pilot for Northwest Airlines. And at the time, areas such as Africa, Thailand, Greece, they were looking for pilots to come and live and fly the planes while they trained their local pilots on how to fly the planes. So I got to live all over the world, essentially. I mean, we, we lived for about three years when I was younger. We lived in many different places. And it was one of those, it's those childhood memories that you have. It's not that I could sit there and tell you exactly the little town or the little community, but I can remember walking down to the local bakery to get bread every single day. I can remember the lamb on the spit at the end of the block. You know, I can remember uh, the water festival in Burma. I can remember Sammy, who was our, our chef or our cook at the time, you know, chopping off the chicken's heads before we're getting ready to eat that day. I can remember watching a lion kill a baby wildebeest. I can remember, you know, it's interesting. It's the kid visual memories that I remember, not necessarily every single person and every little place we visited. Uh, and I would never change that because I think as a child, it opened my eyes to just the world that we're kind of all in this together. Like I love that concept or that idea. And I think that's where public health for me is so key because I can, bring those two together. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter whether you live in a small town or whether you live in a big city or whether you live in an international uh, community. We're all kind of interconnected. And for me, I love being able to kind of help everybody. And by helping locally, it expands out on a much larger scale. So, so you learned early on to love all kinds of different kinds of people. I did. Yeah. Preparing and, you for like public service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to see them as people. I don't see, or I try not to see. I'm not. I'm not gonna sugarcoat things. I have my moments of of where I can be somewhat critical, especially of my children. <laughs> you know, we, we do our best. Uh -huh. uh, but of people, I try not to see color. I try not to see race. I try not to see. Mm -hmm. I try to see the person for the person because everybody has a good heart. People try to do the best that they can possibly do. And I really try to see people for, I guess, the goodness in them. I am a little bit of a lollipop girl. It drives my family crazy. I do, my cup is half full 
almost all the flippin' time. Uh -huh. That can be a little annoying for some, but it has served me well in my position of where I am because mm -hmm. it's put me in a position where somebody walks in and I see, I feel, I don't have to see it, I can feel the goodness in them. I see that in you. Whenever I see you, you're smiling, you like to have a hug, you're always optimistic and positive, and it just seems like you're happy to see people. I, I am. I am. I take pride in being able to, and some of that I think, you know, the good and the bad of it, I think as a child, so I was not the um, academic personality, book smart type. Mm -hmm. I was the go out, touch, feel, do person, and I did it really well. The whole mathematics of life and the, the feeling it and experiencing it. I remember telling my mom how to get someplace in the car with directions, and I had only been there once, and I was just a kid. Like, my brain just mm -hmm. thinks that way. Experiential. Very experiential. And being that type of a person puts you in a different place of where you put your my physical being mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. there because that's part of that touch feel. So when you say that I like to hug people, you're absolutely right. I love I love hugging people. I feel like a smile can take you so far in just mm -hmm. telling somebody, you know, your eye contact. You know, there's definitely traits that I gathered very early on by being a little bit of a pleaser, however, have turned full circle and served me well as an adult. I've enjoyed that. I mean, you learn to, you know, it's, it's interesting how you, how I can look to that and be sometimes a little annoyed by that and wishing that, you know, wish mom had kind of encouraged more the, the book smart side and more this side in me. And yet it's who I am and I'm a pretty wonderful person. And so I love I, that you can say that. So at some point yeah. I have to be able to embrace that be and say, be it. honest about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this other side might in intimidate me on some level, but what I have over here is worth a lot. So this having a experiential wisdom and having this be an intelligence for you, it helps me understand why you're so active in the community physically. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to carry train and we see mm -hmm. you in yoga and the walking, you learn the world through your body. I do. I hear it. I see it. I touch it. I feel it. I smell it. Yeah. I so definitely do. Let's talk about the walking. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that some people are born walkers. I'm a walker. I love walking and I find joy in that and I receive information when I walk. Mm -hmm. You do it every day. And I, I want to know about that. What's your philosophy about walking? How do you understand it? What does it give you? Uh, so it's my commute. You know, everybody has a different commute. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's my commute. I've always been an outdoor person and I've always been a hiker. And I kind of seek, I even remember when my daughter was born, actually both my kids, but my daughter, because she was the first one, I could literally stand in the doorway of our home in Seattle and I could go inside the door and she would start kind of getting fussy. I could go outside the door and she would just stop and she would listen and she would view. And I remember that was such a poignant time for me because it just, it was an observation of all of a sudden how powerful mother nature is and what it can do to us. And it didn't happen every single time, but there were enough times that I was able to pay attention to it and recognize we're an outdoor family. I think we're gonna do a lot of things outdoors. So for me, what happened though, is that the walking side of it came definitely later. All of a sudden, both of my kids are out of school. They're off to college. And I had gone through some financial hardships. 
I need to work more than maybe my 20 or 25 hours that had kind of always worked. I was a little bit more of a part-time and mom at home, split the two. So found Central District Health or Central District Health found me. I'm not sure which. Here in McCall. Yeah, here in McCall. All of a sudden, it, there was this sense of kind of a new start and I had the time. So time is a huge one. You know, when you feel stressed about having to be somewhere and lack of time to get there or preparing for it, you know, when I know that my commute starts at 7.30 and I can be to work, whether I'm walking or driving, you can kind of achieve the same thing. You're still getting to work at the time you need to get there. You just so plan on it. So it's just you plan on it. So once I could do that, once I wasn't doing lunches in the morning, once I wasn't worrying about their homework, driving them, dropping off, all that, it just afforded me the opportunity. So I really feel like the big one was time. The natural for me was to be outdoors. And I, I do love being outdoors. I see things in the morning that you don't always see. Although I'd call my mom though also. You know, it's a great time to... I've seen you on your phone while you're you walking. Know, exactly. And uh -huh. you'll probably see my hands waving uh -huh. because I'm uh -huh. a phone talk. Yep. I'm a walker. I do it at home too. I walk <laughs> and I talk. The hands are flailing as I'm uh -huh. trying to explain things. So I call my mom. It's not always this serenity of one with nature. Um, but when and, you do it every day both ways, you yes. can have it all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes I'm running because sometimes I'm late, you know, no different than you're driving a little faster. I look at it as a conscious luxury because I do feel that it is kind of a privilege to be able to do it because to not walk. yes you have the luxury of time to walk the time I have a body that affords me to yes. walk I have a job that's at a distance that allows me to do that a I mean beautiful town a, to walk in exactly you know I'm not worried about my safety except mm -hmm. when I see bears and some of the deer you see bears sometimes oh yeah absolutely oh. yeah going wow. in at the garbage cans or something those are the best days is when I'm calling my mom I'm talking and I'm so concentrated about what we're talking about and I look up there's a bear right there and it's, oh okay maybe I should pay a little bit more attention and I love it doesn't matter whether it's snowing or raining or the gear the right gear I also have the luxury, luxury to buy mm -hmm. the right gear because when you have a really good winter coat and winter boots when you have the rain gear when you have the good umbrella when you have the earmuffs it makes it so it's it's enjoyable what have you learned about yourself or about our town from walking to work um I know the path of least resistance around town so if I were to reconstruct this town on a walking path, uh -huh. I would completely do it differently because you see all of the different trails. You see the places where people want to go. People are really funny that way. They do not go the long way. They don't walk around. We tend to fly like a crow and we like to walk like a crow. We it's like it's not a social trail. Yeah. Like college planners know those on campuses, they'll purposefully not put a sidewalk in so that students create the social trail. It's interesting. And, and you've seen that. that in town. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then it's just, it's fun, the routines. There's just certain people you see along the way. I really like seeing, I tend to see a different socioeconomic group because I see a lot of the Hispanics, the Peruvians that are walking to the hotels to work because for the most part, affluent people have a vehicle. So they're in their vehicle. Not always. Mm -hmm. I do like that. I mean, I like that I bump into a lot of people that you wouldn't normally. Mm -hmm. And you get to know some people on the trail, you know, by their dog's name and you forget theirs. I always feel so bad about that, but I recognize <laughs> the dog before I sure. recognize them. Yeah, it always draws you in. Everybody always has a high to say, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't get that when I drive in a car. You know, you get a honk occasionally or a wave. But when you're walking and you walk by somebody, right. it forces a hello, a connection. And I do like that connection. At least in our town. You pass yes. someone, you make eye contact, you say hello in a city. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Depends on the city. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody by car, though. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I used to know everybody by car. 
Now I'm looking for people and animal. I don't look for cars and people don't stop anymore or wave really anymore because it's, oh, Suzanne walking again. They used to stop all the time. Like I can have eight packages from the post office holding in two hands and trying to balance it. I still have another mile to walk. No one will stop. <laughs> As where when I first started walking 10 years ago, do you need a ride? Are you okay? Do you need a ride? Now everybody knows. Now it's everybody knows. It's just Suzanne. How far is it from your house to work? If I go one way, it's 1.6 miles. If I go another, it's 1.9. So. And you've continued to do it. Something in you has committed to it, mm -hmm. and you haven't let go of that commitment. Mm -hmm. That's a really good observation of part of it is I'm a little determined. I mean, just by nature. Okay. You know, you start to walk so much, and you're just like, I guess I, I haven't come up with a excuse why I couldn't, because I know there's such a reward of it. When I'm walking, I mean, I am taking in, you know, just deep breaths of, you know, the okay. fresh air. I'm listening, I, you know, when the birds start coming in or certain noises, you know, the pine cones dropping from the squirrels or, you know, mm -hmm. the things you hear when you're out hiking. There's enough reward that it makes it so I do it. And, you know, when I began thinking about this podcast, I, I began thinking, how can I start walking more to work? Because oh. <laughs> I, I, I do think I live in town. I could walk. Right. And I often think, why don't I? And you're having me think right now, plan for it figure it out and right, do it. Right. So I mean, there's other areas that I don't do well with that in. Just because I plan to walk every day doesn't mean that I, there's not <laughs> things that don't get done at my house or there's, you know, I mean, it's a, ah, you know, we all have that plate sure. and there's so much room on it. Something so, else had to go. Yeah, like exactly. Maybe, like maybe a perfectly clean house. Yeah, right. Although I lucked out because what went was two children left the house. Yeah. And so that, that was, was an easy one. Yeah. So tell us about how you, your background that led you to working for the health district. So I wouldn't tag it to a degree or a one time in my life. What I look at to is just a diversity of my life. That it's mm -hmm. the eclectic collection of kind of a little of that cliche jack of all, master of none. Uh -huh. And I am. I'm a little scrappy that way. I think there's something about that scrappiness that just serves me very well at the health department. You know, this was a little bit more of a, um, a job that, you know, you look for a degree and you look for Excel training, word training, especially when you get into a state agency. There's definitely guidelines as far as what they're looking for. I was definitely kind of a second runner. And it happened to be at a time in a new way of hiring, hire for the talent, for the person that's right for the job, not necessarily the degrees and, and certifications and to hire the person because they're a good fit. They're the right feel for that office. Love it. And I came in at just the right timing. I mean, I think I was the first hire that Central District Health had had or the second hire that they had done this new philosophy. Um, it's kind of an emotional intelligence hiring. I walked through that door at just the prime time. And so I kind of lucked out. You know, I was definitely seeking it. I still had to get in there. I still had to do everything. But I really lucked out because there was definitely something that was more qualified, but there was something about me that just stuck out to them. I think that all of kind of my odd, wonderful experiences in life just kind of brought me to this one place that I had at what it was that they were looking for. Wow. So it was really cool. And, and I feel very honored, I mean, to be able to serve them and this community. Well, what brought you to that? What in you wanted to work here and serve in this way? So one thing that I really liked about the job was that it was a huge kind of ask. It's a one office. It's small and it's intimate. And 
typically in a place like Boise, they would have one person in each of the different departments. Up here, you have one person to serve all the departments. And so I love that diversity. And I switch gears really well. Not everybody can do that. I do well with it. And so I'm able to kind of go from septic to daycare to STDs to behavioral health to water quality to immunizations to WIC to, you know, there's all these programs that I am able to bring all this information in and be able to get it out when it's needed. And that's not everybody's character. But because of, I think, of all of the different things that I've done in my life, I think that has served me well to put me in that position to be able to do this. You're scrappy, you yes. said. Mm -hmm. Somehow that capacity to be in the moment, take what happens right now and run with it, that was perfect for the configuration of this job. It was. It was. Love yeah. it. Every day I get to go to work and my job affords me the option to be able to serve my community and yet I don't have to volunteer. I get paid for it. I get to do that. I mean, how cool is that? That's like what an ultimate job is, is to actually love what you do. And, so, and because you're so engaged in the community, you're a familiar face. We trust you. When we go in there, it's you're someone we know. So mm -hmm. it's a great relationship yeah. all the way around. Well, thank you. Let's talk about what all goes on in there because I think a lot of us don't know. I mean, I know you go in for water testing, and mm -hmm. I know that you do a lot with teenage girls. Mm -hmm. Can you give us kind of a rundown of what all you offer? Yeah. So we kind of are divided. So the health department got started years and years ago, basically for uh, the two main things that I think people think of the health department. One is clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. And then... People can get a water testing kit. Uh -huh. yep. When I say clean drinking water, I actually mean more affluence not going into your lake or your rivers. So I'm talking more like septic systems so let's start let's start monitoring where affluent goes let's not have it just go out into an outhouse and then you know let's make sure people's wells have a distance and a setback to these drain fields that then you know make it so you don't have clean drinking water that was kind of years and years ago that that kind of started and the other is immunizations I think people think of the health department for immunizations whether it be travel and or childhood and adult immunizations so those were kind of some of the two starts that So if we I'm had. traveling somewhere like Eastern Africa, uh -huh. I would come to you to get advice. So definitely, although or we... the actual shots themselves. So anymore now, just because of how things have changed, we do not carry the shots. We tend to carry what are called vaccines for children. They call mm. them VFCs. Okay. Because there was funding shifts that happened a few years back and our director had to make a choice. How are we going to budget and structure our funding? And he decided to get rid of the travel vaccines because adults could get those at your local pharmacy. You could get them at your doctor's office. Okay. As where children's Children vaccines here, like measles, anything, yes, any of the vaccines. A parent can bring a child to your office. Absolutely. Okay. And one really cool thing about our office, so there's some benefits for being a state agency. We get a lot of contracts and we get funding that affords us then to be able to provide vaccines as well as any clinic services on a slide fee scale based mm -hmm. on your mm -hmm. family income and your family size. So that is really cool because that doesn't work everywhere, but we do get contracts that afford that. Uh, Title 10 okay. would be one of them for the teens that you talk about, mm -hmm. or even for adults who are uninsured mm -hmm. or underinsured. You know, not everybody has great coverage. They have an astronomical deductible um, that just makes no sense. And it's still nice to know that you can get your annual exam or your PAP, birth control, 
control whatever it is and actually have that still be able to be assisted and we carry um, you know we accept people with insurance uninsured underinsured Medicaid private insurance um, the really cool thing is we actually or one thing I'm really excited about is we finally have a nurse practitioner a family nurse practitioner in our office and her name is Laura Szymanski and she brings with her a wealth of information and we're definitely in a place now where we're starting to expand our services so where we used to do the classic immunizations which we still do the annual exams the PAPs the STDs the STIs uh, emergency contraceptive pill um, teens birth control education and things like that we can now add things like diabetes hypertension pain management um, with the nurse practitioner with the nurse practitioner yeah you can offer support services prescriptions cholesterol prescriptions testing yeah, testing all these things yeah so it's really nice it's just getting now that word that we have somebody in the office and again so if someone doesn't have insurance and they don't have a regular physician they can come to you and if somebody has insurance, they can still come to us. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, we are now a preferred provider for this area. And it's really nice because one thing that I try to let people know is it's, there's not this competition. So you have St. Luke's mm -hmm. Payette Lakes Medical Clinic. Mm -hmm. You've got Cascade Medical Center. You've got Adams County. You've got Central District Health. We all serve the people. And to begin with, that's what's most important. Yeah. I don't care where you get your services done. I just care that you get it done. And, you know, it's awesome now that we have a nurse because there's things that we can do. Somebody can come into our office and get their immunizations. Maybe they need a well child. Maybe they don't need a well child. You know, sometimes... A well, a well child exam. Exactly. In order to get your vaccines, in order okay. to get your immunizations. If you want to get that done, great, we can do it. But if you don't, we can also just give the vaccines. It's a nice flexibility, you know, we tend not to see a lot of people who are sick especially right now with COVID, we are not seeing people that are ill. They would need to call their primary care provider for that. You know, we're a smaller office. Sometimes you can get in a little quicker. You know, some people really like the public health component. We have a lot of clients that come back to us. It's a little bit more, there's a- It's um, relaxed. It's relaxed. There's just yeah, a, there's, you know- If there aren't sick people there, people don't come to you when they're yeah. sick. They go to their doctor or they yeah. go to the maybe the emergency room or the clinic. People come to you for wellness, for prevention. Yeah. It's just different in that way. Yeah. It, it is. It is. And we, men and women, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited to see where this is going to go because we were kind of getting that ball rolling again. And it's hard to find. You want to find the right fit for this area. Right. You know, it's not easy right. to- in a small town. Yeah, exactly. So what did you mean a, a month ago or so when you said that you've been preparing for this, that you've been ready for this? And when I hear you talk about a vaccine, I'm thinking down the road, vaccines. Mm -hmm. So you... In your planning meetings, you think about infection and even something like a pandemic. You've been thinking about this. So we have a department. It's actually out of our Boise department. Okay. And it's policy health preparedness. They are the ones that do mock trainings all the time. I've been a part of a mock training. It's really cool, actually, because it's 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 just interesting to see the backside of how something like this comes mm -hmm. about. Because mm -hmm. you know what, a pandemic like this, or you know, last one, you know, H1N1 was a little different but where all of a sudden it got a lot of attention. When you have something like this, you know, this doesn't just all of a sudden, you know, you've got so many entities involved and those entities have been talking for years 
you know, when you talk about EMS services and when you talk about health and welfare and you talk about state labs and testing and you talk about uh, hospitals, incorporating hospitals, and you talk about the different, you know, incorporating a lot of times uh, the different districts. There's, you know, seven districts in the state of Idaho. There's just a lot of entities that come together that have been planning and doing little mock presentations on whatever level. And sometimes they're huge. They're, you know, hundreds of people mock type, you know, an anthrax threat. What does that look like? You know, you're bringing the airport, bringing, I mean, and so the whole kind of health preparedness side of things has been something that is a part of the health districts that plan for, and they, and they mediate other things throughout the year. It's not like this is all they do, but there is a big part. And so when all of a sudden something like this happens, we went into what they call an incident command structure. And what that does as a health district, it allows us to utilize a team of members throughout our agency in this response. So that means that we get to pull people from their normal day-to-day -day job into a position that directly helps support, in this case, the COVID response. And so there's all these like acronyms and codes, kind of a little bit more military type. Uh -huh, uh -huh. That is why you do certain things and when you do it. And they have been thinking about this. It's not my deal. So I talk about it just enough that I know about it, but I could not go into great detail as far as the real background behind the whole story of it. So this is like Valley County Emergency Management like through the Donnelly Fire Department or some that, of that too. Is that yeah. sort of the No, center? that is part of exactly. That mm -hmm. is part of it for Valley County. But every yeah. every yeah. county kind of has its uh, jurisdiction of then the main health department. Our main health department is out of Boise, mm -hmm. out of Ada County. And so then somebody will come up out of that program and that department to then work within the Valley County and then just and it goes from there. It trickles out from there. So in the last month you've been busy working with this group. So mm -hmm. give us a sense of what you've been doing in the last month that you've had to sort of switch gears? Well, I think the um, the interesting thing has been, um, so one, we're bound to be open. We're one of 12 infrastructures. And beyond the essential services, this is actually, but I believe it's more on a federal level. Hmm. Like there's, there's certain, you know, your police, your fire, health districts, you know, there's like certain 12 of them. And I have the list at my office that's, that you are bound to be open. The way that my life changed, because that's, this is exactly what I do is I am the connector. I am not the person that is in the middle of one particular group. I am that person. You call me. I don't care who you are. You, you know, you call me if you're a church and you're trying to figure out how to have services. You're the school superintendent and you're trying to decide whether to shut down the schools. You're the hospital wanting uh, information for how we should get this information out to the public. You're a local business who's wondering, are we essential, non-essential? If we're essential, how should we manage this? Um, You've been getting your phone school calls camp. all month it, long. It doesn't matter. And what I uh -huh. do is I connect the people to make sure they get the answer. So if someone calls you, yep. you've been in the middle of connecting people by phone yep. or by email yep. all month long. Yep. If you don't know who to ask, call Suzanne. Exactly. And you enjoy that. You're I good do. at it. I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, it's definitely what... Because you know. You know how to find the answer. You know who to call. Well, and what's interesting is it's not always that I... I don't always have the answer. And in finding to learn how to get that you answer. Know, and then what yeah. I love is that I learn. So I'm not your classroom learner. We talked about oh, that earlier. I'm not the book... Yeah. 
I'm not that. Yeah. I mean, I read a lot. It's you know, totally experiential. But it's totally. So all of a sudden, mm -hmm. I kind of have my classroom at my fingertips every single day. And in that classroom, I get to connect people. And in those connections, people are helped and they're guided and they're taken care of. And I love that part of it. I mean, I really enjoy that. So it's a little, there's a selfish component to it. That, that's okay, though. Yeah. That means you committed and you do your job well because yes. you feel good about it. Yeah. Some people probably think I do my job well. It's another <laughs> But yeah, I do. I do. I mean. So what have you learned in all this or what's been surprising or unexpected maybe in the last few weeks? The one takeaway I have from this is no ego. I am, I am so humbled by our community and the willingness to be able to step up to the plate and recognize that I am doing, I am making choices and doing things not for me, but for you. And in our community, particularly, as, as a matter of fact, in the very beginning, I wasn't maybe getting quite the response out of the Boise office as to how to handle things up here. This is they probably didn't know. Because, well, and then they were so whomped. I mean, oh. also, you know, they're yeah. in the hub of it. And Boise, okay. our central district health in Boise tends to be known a little bit more as kind of like the, um, the mother of all the health departments. And part of it is because we're in the greatest population. Sure. We're, we're next to legislature, which we work with. We're next to the governor. We're next to the state lab. We're next to health and welfare. We're I mean, we are, you know, we're the hub of where we need to be. And so when it first, you know, came out and it's just like, oh my, what, what do we do? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt so, um, I felt lost and I felt, um, felt like I was letting our community down. It was such a personal and, and I know there again, I know that one sounds a little selfish, but it was more just that I didn't realize how much I cared for our community in a way that, um, it really hurt to not necessarily be able to just take care of everybody. I mean, it was really, really difficult. Now, as we kind of move more in a little bit different direction, we're starting to get a better handle on it. We're starting to understand things a little bit clearer. There's more guidelines set by the governor and, you know, other agencies. Um, you know, we ourselves have a liaison now between our Boise office that's handling just Valley County. She can kind of help me and I can help her and we can help the people in the community. That has made a big difference. Just a little bit of time, but in the beginning it was it was really kind of hard because I wanted everybody I just wanted everyone safe and yeah. taken care of and that was sort of beyond your control it was it wasn't anything anybody could do any yep. differently we it was all just winging it it was it was sometimes it's a little difficult working for a state agency so what's happening now that you feel uh, confident about or you feel hopeful about well, process is kind of organic. I mean, we we know we know a lot. I mean, we have we have states and countries around us that are way ahead of us as far as where we are. We have some advantages in that we're rural. I mean, where we are, you know, we have a lot of space. You know, imagine living in twenty-story building. Sure. Your halls are three feet wide, and everyone has to take the elevator. And when you get outside, you just have a sidewalk. Yeah. We're very fortunate that way and we're starting to kind of feel like there's there's still enough questions we don't know we don't know how we're going to come off this exactly we don't know when a vaccine is going to happen. We don't know, will summer kind of diffuse some of this, you know, like the flu vaccine? Mm -hmm. uh, are we building immunity? Are we not? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things still are kind of up in the air. Mm -hmm. But what we do know by maintaining a six-foot social distancing, that that's, that's a good thing. We know that. We know that by, you know, wearing a mask, you're letting somebody else know that I care about you and I'm doing what I can. We know that hand washing is really important. We 
know that you know we're starting to understand how to maybe kind of redefine some of our businesses in a way so we can still operate and function and there's ways to do that in a socially responsible way you know there's a lot of things that we're learning it's still very surreal you still feel like you're figuring it out and yeah. there's still a lot that even you don't yeah and when people ask you for advice or for guidelines there's only so much you know yeah and there's a lot of information that Boise can offer but there's still a lot we just don't know I appreciate what you just said about the mask because I'm having a hard time with that the way you just framed it by wearing the mask people are showing that we care for the others around us mm -hmm. rather than feeling like it's a separation or that I'm protecting myself from you mm -hmm. seeing it as an act of kindness the downside I will say with masks that I have noticed is that people have a false sense of security then by wearing a mask. So I think their social distancing, which probably is the most important factor, mm -hmm. becomes a little less um, stringent. You know, that all of a sudden four feet feels comfortable because I'm wearing a mask. And so that's one area that definitely, you know, you need to, but I don't know how we come out. How do we, you know, hug again? How do we, mm -hmm. when we're around somebody, feel like we can take a full deep breath in? Right. Although business keeps going. I mean, it's amazing to me, you know, so we do all the, um, you know, all the septics in the town, the land development, you You're know. You're still busy doing environmental. Oh, it's, environmental uh -huh. is, is really pumping up. We have one of our clinicians, she's still doing WIC at home now. Mm -hmm. We're trying to kind of find some balances there. So WIC has run out of your office. Yes. Wi um, women, women, infants, infants and children. children. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so those are, they have now what's a, it's an e-WIC, like a credit card, but basically it's a food subsidy program mm -hmm. that kind of tells you exactly what type of food you can have. It's federal. Yeah. Oh, as an agency, we're kind of an odd because we get uh, federal, um, state, county, um, public, and then contracts. So like one of our contracts um, for family and clinic services is called Title 10. And Title 10 affords us the opportunity to be able to slide people's um, exams if they do not have any insurance. Slide, slide the fees for the exams. Exactly. Depending okay. on their family size and income. So there's a lot of flexibility. And you hold jurisdiction from different government um, places. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really cool. We it oftentimes really think that government, the bureaucracy is really rigid. And what I'm hearing from you yeah. is that you hold space for a lot of different things in a really flexible way. And what's really cool about it is that programs will come to us, a lot of contracts. This would be more on the family and clinical side of things or health and policy promotions. But contracts come to us through typically health and welfare. Okay. And when we get those, what is so fun is it might just be a three-year project. We get so much money. Here's a, here's funding and here's a project that we want to explore or to provide. So one might be something like uh, First Teeth Matters. So all of a sudden there's an understanding that teeth and heart health are connected. Teeth and heart health are connected. So it's a thing. So it's a program. It is a true. So all of a sudden we are seeing children from their first teeth through five years old to give them education, a mm -hmm. little varnish on their teeth, a little screening, you know, mm -hmm. talk about the sugar bugs. I mean, and there's a bunch of programs like that. You know, parents as teachers, um, you know, another contract or grant that we got was for um, Valley County Opioid Response Project. So VCorp, and that's a big one in our in our county and community. And, you know, there's just all these things that come in that then maybe spur, you know, might die out. Spur is. So spur, so it might like, it might also, in that process of doing this, we find out that there's another need or another niche. Wow. And yeah. so then all uh -huh. of a sudden, after the year of this contract, all of a sudden we're building something different or we're redirecting or it's 
it's it's kind of it's ever changing, which is some of the you know some of the intrigue about it. And you get to use your connector capacity and energy to help guide that to say, mm -hmm. oh, here's something we need. Let's find the funding source for it. Yeah. And figure out how to do yeah. it. And you know, in a small town like this, I'm very fortunate because I don't know that it would that those connections would be as easily to mm -hmm. grab and connect and as open. I mean, our community, like I said, there's just no ego. It's it's just really cool that way because it's like, okay, what's gonna serve the population the best? What's let's do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. And then we're also very fortunate as a as a health district up here to have somebody like Elt Hasbro as the county commissioner but also serve on the board of health I mean our board of health mm -hmm. and so he just he, he knows both worlds he does and he helps to connect and he okay. gets it oh, I mean yeah. it's really you know and to know people like the mayor and you know mm -hmm. you know the police chief and the fire chief you know the CEO of the hospitals and you you know you in a small town you can do that so when you say no ego, if something's needed, someone can put aside their glamorous agenda and get down in the trench and get yeah. something done that's really needed. You Absolutely. Can, you can sort of make that invitation and people accept it. Absolutely. Or somebody else makes it and we accept and you it. You do it. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter which way it goes. It's mm -hmm. just that, that people are open to that. And that's what's really been, I guess, uh, kind of interesting about this whole COVID is to watch people make things happen that need to happen right now. I mean, you know, you know, the food bank, huge one, people, the elderly and just taking care of it, watching, you know, watching people come together. And you've seen people do it pretty quickly, pretty yeah. efficiently. The whole, like whatever's needed, people stepped up and got it done pretty quickly. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, sometimes what happens in a small town that I do notice is that we only have so many resources. So, so there's a flip side of it. Mm -hmm. um, and we make do. And we, we do, we do. There's that scrappiness a little bit again. We mm -hmm. absolutely do. Yeah. So. So what, what else are you doing that maybe we don't know about or is a little unusual or unique? We do so much. You know, we do tobacco sensation and prevention. So if someone you know, wants to quit smoking, they yep, can come to you? Absolutely. And you have programs for that. Absolutely. We do a uh, fit and fall proof class at the uh, senior community center, the McCullough Community Center. Do you work with that little community center? Uh -huh. to, is that uh -huh. where a lot of programs happen? A, a few of them. I, I okay. hope more. Mm -hmm. You know, I think part of that, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I think the library is going to incorporate some of that. And we could be a part of that too. With just the new meaning the new with library. the new library would uh -huh. then be more of a community center. That's kind of what we've been talking about. And I hope that happens. That some programs can be moved to the library. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I'd love to see actually one thing I think our community needs is a like a kitchen where people can so we could have a soup kitchen out of it and then also to have a space where people could rent it. So you we do a lot of temp events in our community or mm -hmm. you have small businesses that need a licensed place to cook. The downside to being um you know, so we do all the food inspections, all the food complaints. Wait, that, that happens through, through your uh -huh. office? The health, yeah. So the health inspector is yes. through you. Yeah, the health inspector. The, yeah, that goes to the restaurants. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So his name's Tom White. Mm -hmm. And so he goes out. We inspect once a year all the restaurants. If there's a complaint, we'll go out and inspect it. We do all the temporary events. We do the uh, training, the serve safe food handlers training, if that's needed. And then uh, I've always thought that, you know, for all of those kind of small little local places because you have to be licensed in order to to cook 
to be able to serve to the general public, you have to cook out of a licensed facility. It just can't be your home. Right. And there's all these guidelines that come with it, three compartment sinks and or dish, certain dishwashers, freezers, refrigerators, certain counter material, and the food bank, that's where it just got cut. Is that something they could return to and, and install someday? I would someday? love to see it. Because you, you really see a need for that, that Absolutely. we need an industrial kitchen. Uh, yes. I was hoping the city would, the because the senior center rents out their space a lot. People will use their facility. So that's, so that's available uh -huh. as an industrial mm -hmm. kitchen absolutely okay. yeah because it's licensed and they don't use it a whole lot so that's mm -hmm. always a trick you know it's so if you have a dinner place could you use it in the morning you know do you have uh -huh. you know try to a lot of camps around here would be great too but they tend to be a little bit more off off site oh, so that's but a camp would also have that same designation as uh -huh. the industrial and, health approved kitchen exactly yeah you do a lot yeah yeah we do actually we license all the installers in this town for septics and make sure that they're trained licensed and bonded um so is this engineers you're working with as well then or for subdivisions we do okay because we we approve all of the subdivisions for the uh, county mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. every time a new new land is bought you know it gets divided and all that has to we have to write what's called a release of sanitary restrictions letter that gets recorded with the county okay so, yeah. so you're working with the government government entities as well recording mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, keeping records yep absolutely yeah we have a great check and balance with all the cities as well as the county as far as when somebody so for instance if somebody wants to build a, a garage on their property if it has septic on it they have to get approval from us first mm -hmm. to make sure that they're not building it over their drain field or their replacement area oh so that you would look at the city um infrastructure yeah. So is there anything, any message you want to give folks today, tell us, to remind us about? So we have, so we do a lot at our office, but I want people to know that as a whole, at the health department, whether whether it's something we do or not, I want people to know that they can call, stop, or ask. I mean, 630-8001, my direct line. I want people to know that it's a good start for maybe a place to get some answers answers or to get the help or whatever it is because we have people that are you know coming through our community that are a little transient that need to know where they can get maybe lodging for the night food for the night a little heat a little money you know maybe they are having some dental issues just don't have insurance and you know quite a bit of pain or mm -hmm. and and that's kind of on notes that are that has nothing to even really do with us but I just feel like people need to know that there's safe places that they can stop in I mean I'm happy to I know it's a little much but I've given people a cup of tea before you know it's the middle of winter and it's just freaking cold out there you know and and I know we have other places the the senior center is fantastic for that I know the library is great for that I mean we're we are are a very generous community that way and I guess I would just like people to know that Central District Health is another place of generosity that way that we will help in whatever way we can thank yeah. you for do for being you oh, for I being am. you in this so. job and at that place of open-heartedness and the problem solver the connector the, the one who will help people find what they need oh you're sweet so us Mac Smack yes. at cdh.idaho.gov. And the phone number again? 208-630-8001. And when places are open again, you love people stopping by. You're located just behind City Hall. Mm -hmm. And we have also a little reading lending library. So if people ever, and free condoms, of course. <laughs> yes. I'm Renee Silvis with Spotlight McCall. The podcast is co-sponsored by members and patrons at Community Hub McCall 
McCall. Find previous episodes at cubmccall.com or my website, reneesilvas.com. Music by Morgan Giddings. Thank you for listening. Now go and find some inspiration.